0: Grace Church, is anybody glad to be in the house of God today? Amen. You know, every day is a good day to give thanks and praise unto the Lord. Every day, Amen. Not just on those mountain tops when everything is going great, but it's in those low valleys, in those low places in our life, where we're saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. Sometimes all you can do is pray about a situation. Amen. I don't understand what's going on, Lord, but I'm going to serve you, Lord. I don't understand what the doctor says, God, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. I don't understand what's going on in my job, God, but I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth because you've been so good to me. I'm so thankful today for the hope that I have in the almighty God. Can we just stand up this morning and give God praise? Hallelujah. We praise you today, Lord. Maybe darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way. God, you light our way. Hallelujah. When evil the is rising, rising, you're rising higher. With power to save, with power to save. Hallelujah. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive. The beginning to end, your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Tell had a strong hope, but your life was stronger.
1: in every war and I try to grasp it all, come to grips with it, stand in reverence of all those willing to give their lives for something bigger than themselves, I am stunned by the sheer numbers, all those lives, all those families, serving their country, I can't always comprehend it, my heart is not big enough to take it all in that each one didn't come home. What they lost for their service. What we gained for their courage. Today, I stop to remember. Every single number is one soldier. One sailor who got up in the morning and put on a uniform. One marine who answered the call to fight for freedom. One airman who knew the cost and went anyway. One man or woman who paid the ultimate price for many, and the freedom I live in now. Today, I remember.
2: So there are, we're entering or we are in a holiday weekend and there are many holidays in the calendar. You may be seated. Many holidays in the calendar year for us that have, they have varying levels of significance for those who celebrate those days. Often the relevance of that holiday is simply that it's a day off from work, really. Monday, however, Tomorrow should be different. It, it, for my family and I, it is different. Considering that we have visited Arlington National Cemetery and have stood in silence at the tomb of the unknown soldier and that we have visited all the war memorials in Washington, D.C., it, it is significant. My wife texted me something this morning. It was profound when you think of it. Arlington National Cemetery is 624 acres of why we are still free. We owe a great unpayable debt to the valiant servicemen and women who have secured our freedoms with their blood. When you think of this national holiday tomorrow, please consider the words of our Lord. I've always thought of this whenever I encounter this holiday. John 15 and 13 says, Great. Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends. So as you enjoy your day off tomorrow, think about the people that secured this great country for your benefit and the benefit of your family. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. We appreciate you being in the environment where God does miraculous things. That's where we are today. I felt the presence of God as I taught this morning, and you can feel the presence of God right now, and that presence reassures me that something tremendous will happen in your life. I'm excited for you. Please remember that Monday, let me share a few things with you, Monday, May 31st at 7.14 p.m. is United Family Prayer Time at home. Institute this in your, your family and in your life. It pays great dividends. Tuesday, June 1st, we will have first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, June 6th, we have Academic Awards Sunday. Please submit a description of each award to the church office by Wednesday, June 2nd. On Sunday, June 6th, Sister Theodos Tenney will be speaking to us at 11 a.m. Very excited about that. Before we transition back to the praise team, I'd like you to think of something. It occurred to me as I was driving home from Shreveport. A lot of things occur to me as I'm driving because that seems like I'm all I do. What occurred to me is, is church, is this, is church and your relationship with God, is it a destination or something you're passing through to get to somewhere else? Are we so concerned about our holiday that we have planned tomorrow that we just want to get through Sunday morning service? We're not really concerned about what happens here in the, in the worship service or in the altars after this. So we're eager to get to our lunch date or our holiday tomorrow. That this isn't a destination. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is no greater destination than the presence of God. Can we stand this morning... Can we lift our voices to our Creator and our King and our Savior and our Lord? Can we worship Him like that? We don't want to be anywhere else. I'm not in a hurry to get to somewhere else, God. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I want what you want for me. Lift your voices. Magnify God this morning.
0: with all that... Carry your victory. Perfection could never earn it. You give what we don't deserve, and you take the broken things and raise them to glory. For when you stand undefeated Every battle you've won I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence I am seated In the heavenly place undefeated With the one who has conquered it all The one Jesus has given me When I open up my mouth Miracles start that he is with you. You might say I'm weak in my body. You might say I'm not, I don't have the strength. But God says it's not about your strength. It's not about what you can bring, but what he can bring to you. The word of the Lord says that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All of you that are here today that have that Holy Ghost dwelling inside of you, God is saying, I give you power. I give you authority. I give you the ability today to overcome every fear, every doubt, everything that would come against you in the power of my name, in the power of that name above all names. So if you would just lift him up today and just give him that praise.
3: Just outside my office window, admiring someone's uh, look like a new car purchase, maybe, new automobile. A text came in on my phone from uh, Ken and Becky that said uh, her 10-month-old nephew, Lennox, is in the hospital, was admitted this morning. Don't know what's wrong with him. The doctors don't know. He's been running fever. Parents are out of town. They're flying in this morning. Someone else came to my office right after that and said, there's a very difficult situation going on in the family. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it involves some children that just need a divine intervention. Just need a divine intervention. As I observed all of these things, absorbed all of these things, it, it fell right into the hands of what I planned to preach I don't know what I would do, and I don't know where I would be this morning without knowing that with every breath I breathe, every step I take, I do it with the presence of the Lord surrounding me. And the presence of the Lord has filled this room today. There's there's a quantity and a quality of faith and worship. He is our champion, and I believe when we open our mouth, it should reflect that. It should believe that. Things should come out of our mouth that says God is my everything, God is my all, and without Him I can't can't do anything, I can't do anything, amen, and in my years of, of living for the Lord it's great to see my great friend here today, Johnny Rogers, great to see you today, he and I have been friends since we were just very young teenagers. He can testify to the fact and I can testify to his life that through all of the things we've been through, all of the challenges, all of them, all of them, not once has God failed. Not once has God not come through. Not once have I ever felt like I was not in the palm of his hand. I've never felt that way. The the presence of the Lord is, is here today. And he has all of these things, Becky, in in control. Yes, he does. He he knows what he's doing. I talked to you Wednesday night about God being serious about being God. Yes, he is serious about it. And these are the kinds of things that make him divine, that make him sovereign, that make him all-powerful, that makes him all-knowing. Because he knows the steps that we take. And he guides them and he leads them. I would like for us to lift up our voice today again in prayer for these things that I've just presented. God knows everything. He knows all about all of these things. He knows what's going to happen. He knows how it's going to turn out. It's our duty to trust Him and have faith in Him through all of these things. Let's lift our voice one more time to the King of Kings. Let's praise Him. God, we bring our faith bring our trust you. 46 and verse 1, while you're turning there, it's great to see all of you today. Again, Johnny, great to see you, great to see you, always. And uh, all of our guests here today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here, and you've made our, our coming today even more fulfilling. We have the presence of the Lord, and we have our guests. We have Grace Church here today, and I'm thankful to be on campus. Thankful to be able to gather collectively and to worship the Lord together. Thank the Lord. All of you following on Facebook Live and live stream, welcome. We're so glad to have you as well. Psalm 46 and verse 1. The praise team has brought us to this moment. They've talked about the presence of the Lord, the miracles that come as a byproduct of it. So here it is, according to the psalmist God. Is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble after the events of this past year these past months this verse of Scripture ought to have more meaning to us today than it did a year ago it should if it doesn't we need to reevaluate how we look at what's happened I had to rejoice at men's prayer yesterday in my heart I rejoiced I'm still here I was able to teach Wednesday night Bible study on campus with a decently healthy body, probably be better and here we are today we have won a victory I believe we've won a victory we've we've conquered a foe we've conquered an attitude we've conquered a spirit and I'm thankful for that And the psalmist has summed it up. Again, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. It's my title today, as a matter of fact. Just simply, A Very Present Help. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. Thank you, and you may be seated. David asked a very prolific question In Psalm 139, as a matter of fact, he asked several questions. The answer is simple, but the height and breadth of what he was asking in Psalm 139 is challenging and difficult for any of us here today to really get our head around it. He asked, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. The apostle said in Acts 17, verse 26, He hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they shall seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, Though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Again, I remind you, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, he listed various places, that he found God in, found God in the heavens, in the grave, essentially saying, if I rise with the sun in the east and settle in the west beyond the sea, even there you would guide me. God is everywhere. Your adaption of this may be something like this. Where can I go to get away from God? If I go to the rehab clinic, The ICU, if I'm going through a divorce, if I run away from home, if I get bitter, backslide, if I'm in jail, if I'm a drug addict, even in the darkness of such challenging times, God is still with me. I just saw someone nodding their head very passionately and I know that story or at least most of it. This person is absolutely affirming what I'm saying has been through some of the most challenging domestic times I've experienced with anyone as pastor and God never left them. So in other words, you cannot go where God is not physically, mentally. Emotionally, domestically, it doesn't matter. God equals everywhere. Everywhere equals God. So I'd like for you to take a moment and try to envision the next few days of your life. Where will you be? At work? At home? In a meeting? Shopping? Out of town? driving in a car flying in an airplane surgery maybe being been being in court god forbid but perhaps even a funeral home in my scripture text paul said while he was preaching on mars hills in athens greece in act 17 he said it doesn't matter where your life leads you or takes you that God is not far from each one of us I would like to elaborate a little bit on that statement if you would each of us I would like to have everyone understand here today regardless of what you choose to believe God does not play favorites From the masses on the big city streets to the most isolated villagers and valleys and jungles, everybody, everywhere lives and moves in the presence of God. Everyone, everyone can enjoy the presence of God, but they do not. There are people here today that doesn't. They plod through life as if they're were no God to love them and to care for them as if their only strength was their own, as if the only solution to their problems comes from within instead of above. They live God-less lives. There may be people here today that fit that description. But on the other hand, there are here today mighty Christian warriors, people who can sit see hear and feel the presence of god people who pursue god like moses did in the old testament when he was given the seemingly impossible task of leading some one million plus jews out of egypt he no doubt thought how in god's name am i going to do this how Am I going to provide for these people? How will I defend them against our enemies? Yes, Moses needed supplies, managers, equipment, and some experience. Knowing that, he asked for some help. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, he began to pray. He began to seek the Lord. Now, therefore, I pray thee, he prayed, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he, God, said, my presence, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto God, If thy presence go not with me, then carry us not up hence. Moses preferred to go nowhere with God than to go somewhere without him. That's how I feel today. That's how I feel today. David found himself in what he thought was a godless place. This king of Israel had an affair with the wife of a soldier and then tried to cover up his adultery and murder and deceit for about a year. He tried to hide from God, but he could not hide forever. When he finally confessed, his immortality and sin. He made only one request of God. Listen to Pastor today. He made only one request of God. He said in Psalm 51, Hide not thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew with this right spirit within me and cast me not away From thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He did not pray, do not take away my position or my crown or my kingdom. He did not pray, do not take away my armies or my family and my friends. David knew what mattered most and it was the presence of God. And he begged God, do not take away from me your presence. I don't know how many of you will understand the totality of what I'm about to say, but I'm pleading with you to be very open-minded to a very simple statement. David begged for the presence of God to stay with him. We should do likewise. If you ever reach a place in your life where you feel like you don't need God, you are never in more desperate trouble. We should make God's presence in our lives our passion. The presence of God in our lives must be our passion. How do you do that? Let me illustrate it this way. Be more like a sponge than a rock. I'm pleading with some folks here today to be more like a sponge and less like a rock. You place a rock in the ocean and what happens? The surface gets wet. The exterior may change color. But on the inside of that rock, it remains untouched by its surroundings. Put a sponge in the ocean and notice the change. It absorbs the water. The ocean penetrates every pore and alters the essence of the sponge. God has surrounded us the same way The Pacific Ocean surrounds a pebble on its floor. God surrounds us the same way the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean, not a pond, not a ditch, not a bowl of water. The Pacific Ocean surrounds a pebble on its floor. He is everywhere. He is above. Below and on every side, we choose our response. Are we going to be a rock or a sponge? Are we going to resist or receive? Everything on the inside may say to harden your heart and to run from God, to resist God, to blame God. Be careful, hard hearts never heal, but spongy ones do. Open every pore of your soul to Him and remember you're in His presence. You're in His presence. And never forget that you're in His presence. I'm laying claim today to the nearness of God, I'm laying claim today to the nearness of God. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter thirteen, verse five, "For He has said, He has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me." One translation said, "I will never leave you, never." will I forsake you in the Greek this passage has five negatives it could be translated I will not not leave thee neither will I not not forsake thee grip this promise like the life preserver that it is repeat it to yourself over and over until it drowns out the voices of fear and doubt the prophet said in zephaniah 3:17 the lord thy god in the midst of thee is mighty he will save he will rejoice over thee with joy he will rest in his love he will joy over thee with singing one translation said the lord your god is with you he is mighty to save he will take great delight in you he will quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing So there there may be people today who have given some appreciation to what has been said so far, but perhaps there's some here today that's lost the sense of His presence. Just don't really know if God is that close to me, Pastor. You're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. Job 23, verse 8. Job said, Behold, I go forward but he is not here. And I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Job felt far From God, yet in the midst of his inability to feel God, he made the following resolve. For he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job makes a gritty determination, and I submit to you today that difficult days demand strong, resolute passions of faith the psalmist concluded when I am afraid he said I will trust in you he went on to say why are you downcast oh my soul why so disturbed within me put your hope in God for I will yet praise him it is a mistake to equate the presence of God with a good mood and pleasant temperament God is near he's near to you whether you are happy or not whether things are going well or not and sometimes we you have to have enough discipline about us to realize that. And sometimes it's good to take your feelings out behind the woodshed, if you would. I want to stop right here for just a moment, and, and we're going to pray. Uh, I, I very seldom go down this path, but there's just something right in, in this corner right here. That's just screaming at me right now. I just I discern something, don't know what it is. I'm gonna ask everybody to pray right now. Let's pray in Jesus' name. God, we need you right now. There's somebody here today that needs to recognize your presence. There's families here today that needs to recognize your presence. It would be there in their best interest of them, their family to recognize. Your presence to embrace your presence to get passionate about your presence to be thankful for your presence I pray today that the Spirit of the Lord would continue to work in Jesus name everybody say amen if you're here today and feel that the presence of God in relationship to you is similar to what Job was feeling maybe it's time you carve out from your Bible a long list of deep qualities of God and press them into your heart and into your mind. Your list may read something like this, that He, God, is still sovereign. He still knows my name. Angels still respond to His call. The hearts of rulers yield to His bidding. Calvary still has the power to save the lost and to forgive sin. The Spirit of God still dwells in the church and in His people. Heaven is only one heartbeat away. The list could continue. The grave is still temporary housing. The list could say that God is still faithful. He's never caught off guard or unprepared. It could say that He uses everything for His glory and my ultimate good. He uses tragedy to accomplish his will. And his will is always pure and perfect and right. Our list could say that sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And that God bears fruit even in the midst of trial and affliction. In changing times, lay hold on the unchanging character of God. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all mine and stay. I want to take it a step further. And some here today may disagree with what I'm about to say. But it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes I believe it's important to pray your pain out. This is to pound the tabletop with your fist and to stomp around the yard and sometimes just be honest and tenacious in your prayers. Let me ask you a question today and excuse my vernacular. But are you ticked off with life? Just fed up with it? Just, I've had enough. Are you tired of what seems to be God's choices for your life? How many times, if you've not said it, have you thought it? God, why does it have to be this way? Why can't it be another way? Why can't my life be like so-and-so's life? Why can't it be better in that way and better in this way? Why? Why? All of these things are the fruit of anger. And perhaps there's people here today that's literally angry at God and question his strategy for your life. I would like to suggest today, very humbly and very kindly, that you let him know about it. Tell him about it. You say, Brother Murphy, is this, is this right? Is this okay to do this? Jeremiah did it in the Old Testament. Y'all remember him? He did it. Yes, he did. The Old Testament prophet pestered Jerusalem during a time of economic collapse and political upheaval. The country had been invaded by their enemy. There was a disaster everywhere, along with exile, hunger, death, Jeremiah, saw it all. He so filled his prayer time with complaints that his prayer journal is a book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. Let me read a few verses from Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 2. Jeremiah said this to God He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me he is turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He's broken my bones. He's built it against me. He's compassed me with gall and travail. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about and I, I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. He's telling God, you've done this to me. Also when I cry and shout, he, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set, in me, set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my range. He, I was a derision to all my people in their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I, I forgot prosperity. And I said my strength and my hope has perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. sound like a man of faith to you? Does it sound like a man on top of his world and got the world by the tail and got everything together? Is that what that prayer sounds like to anybody? In verse 21, he said, this recall I to my mind after he vented and he vented. He poured out his heart. He poured out his feelings. He poured out his attitude and his perspective. But this I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed, because of his passions fail not, for they're new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah infused five chapters with this type of fury, disappointment, and anger. You summarize the bulk of lamentations in one sentence that life is truly horrible. Why would God even allow such writings in his holy book? Might it be for us to follow Jeremiah's example? I would to God that somebody would pour out your true feelings. Just get it off your chest. Go ahead and follow your grievance as the psalmist did in Psalm 142 and verse 2. He said, I pour out my complaint before him and I tell my trouble before him. God will not turn away from your anger Jesus offered up prayers with loud cries and tears. Listen to pastor, notice the screen. It's better to shake your fist at God than to turn your back on him. Augustine said, how deep in the deep are they who do not cry out from the deep. Words may seem hollow and empty at first. You may mumble your sentences and muddle your thoughts, but don't quit and don't hide. And finally, today I want to encourage somebody to cease isolating yourself, to cease from using weekends as a getaway, to cease being a hermit, become instead a barnacle on the boat of God's amazing church. Begin to cling. Johnny, I've done it so many times in the past. You just attach yourself to the church and you hang on for the ride. You've done the same. He and I have known each other over 50 years. That's why I'm referring to it. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 19, Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, that's why you cling to the church, you cling to fellowship. Because where two or more are gathered in His name, you find God in the midst of you. If you need for something mighty to happen in your life, start hanging out with God's people. Tap their faith. And get them to pray. I'll ask you today, would the sick avoid a hospital? Would the hungry avoid a food pantry? Would the discouraged abandon God's hope? Would the discouraged abandon the church? Someone needs to understand today the value of His presence. That He is a very Present help. Moses and the Israelites battled the Amalekites. The military strategy of Moses was a strange one, to say the least. He commissioned Joshua to lead the fight in the valley below. Moses, on the other hand, ascended a hill to pray. But he didn't go alone. He did not go alone, not this time. He took with him Aaron and Aaron. And, Ur. and while Joshua led the physical battle, Moses waged another battle in prayer. And Aaron and Ur stood on each side of Moses. And while Moses prayed, Aaron and Ur held his arms up in the air. And the Israelites prevailed because Moses prayed. Moses prevailed because he had others praying with him. So God today is waiting on you There's some people here today life as you once knew it doesn't exist anymore but there's one thing there's one absolute that still remains and that is the presence of God your job may be gone Your spouse may be gone. Your kids may be gone. Your parents may be gone. Your friends may be gone. Your family. But God is still with you. So I'm going to ask all of you today to stretch forth your hand towards him the old song said turn your eyes upon jesus look full his wonderful face i want to encourage everyone here today and not forget what i'm about to say but you do not fix a struggling marriage by having an affair and you do not fix a drug problem with more drugs and You don't fix debt with more debt, and you don't get out of a mess by making another one. You never go wrong by doing what is right. While you stand with me today, there's a man that I want to share his story with you. His name is Thomas, and Thomas made this discovery that you never go wrong by doing what is right. Thomas was exposed to music early on. He was born in 1899 to a Baptist pastor and a church pianist. By the age of 12, he was imitating the jazz music of the African-American community in the Deep South. In his late teens, he went to Philadelphia and then to Chicago where he played in various places. But Somewhere along the way, Thomas forgot his faith. He compromised his lifestyle and turned away from the convictions of his youth. His talent opened doors for him, but his conscience would not let him rest. Long nights on the road left him exhausted and weary. A relative urged him to turn to God in the age of 20 he did. He had an encounter with God that later inspired him to write, My inner being was thrilled. My soul was a deluge of rapture. My emotions were aroused, he said. My heart was inspired to become a great singer and worker in the kingdom of God. Please listen. He poured his energy into God-honoring music. Rhythm and blues met worship and praise and The result was a brand-new genre of toe-tapping, soul-lifting music. Thomas took a position as a music director at a church in Chicago, and at the age of 26, he met the love of his life and got married. He started up a publishing company and founded the National Convention of Gospel Choirs and Choruses. By 1932, Thomas was really enjoying the blessings of God at full throttle. Happy marriage, growing ministry, And his first child was on the way. Life was good. But in one single night, everything would change for Thomas. After singing to a St. Louis audience, he was handed a Western Union telegram that simply read, your wife just died. He would discover, he would discover later that she died while giving birth. To their child. Thomas headed back to Chicago where his newborn child died the following day. The musician fell into a deep crevice of grief. He avoided people and grew angry with God. He later said, I just wanted to go back to the world of jazz I knew so well. I felt like God had done a terrible injustice and I didn't want to serve him anymore. Or write any more gospel songs. So he concluded, he secluded himself, nursing his anger and his sorrow and his bitterness. A friend seemed to know just what was needed. He took Thomas to a neighborhood music school, and that evening, while the sun was setting, Thomas sat down at a piano and began to play. And while he played, he prayed. And as he poured out his broken heart to the Lord, these words began coming out of his mouth. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand, for I'm tired and I'm weak and I'm worn. Through the storm, Through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on. The reason I asked you a moment ago to stretch forth your hand is because the presence of God is here today. And he has his hand outstretched to you. Some of you may feel a little like Thomas, at least relate to his feeling. Thomas wrote, when my way grows dear, or drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my light is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call, and hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord. be honest with you today I have my hand stretched out so if you want to stretch out yours today you're not alone because I need the Lord today too He's a very present help encourage you today to cling to the promises that He's made. I will never leave you, He said. I'm glad to tell Becky Williams today that God is in the hospital right now with her little 10-month-old nephew, Lennox. I want to tell David standing back there that the presence of the Lord is with you even though your circumstances probably isn't telling you that. And then the thing over here, just somebody over here, this right here, needs to know that God is with you right now. He's, he's waiting on you to stretch forth your hand and just take a hold of His. So while they begin to sing softly today, we do this every Sunday, we do it virtually every single Sunday every time it's special to me every time it's special I've never taken it for granted I never dread it I'm always encouraged by it it's to invite people to take a step of faith and confidence and trust you're in the presence of God now but just to show him that you're a little more passionate about it you can walk to the front of this building and say God I recognize your presence and I'm frustrated, I'm angry I'm discouraged don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So God, I'm coming. And my prayer today, oh God, is simply this. Take my hand, precious Lord. God, take me by the hand. God, if you take me by the hand, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. If my hand is in your hand, I can go through the darkest valley. I can go through the I can go through anything. I can go through anything if if I just know that my hand is in
0: your hand,
3: oh God, come
0: on somebody.
3: We're gonna